Bible this morning, I want to invite you to go with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 1, as we consider a new sermon series this month entitled, Draw Near in Worship. We hear a great deal of conversation in today's church world about praise and worship, but I wonder if it really passes the test of what the Bible teaches real worship is. In fact, this morning we're going to take a look at someone in the Scriptures that really embodied a pure worshiper. And I believe that many of the things that we learn from this passage will help to inform our Christian lives so that we are not just randomly saying, hey, I'm, I'm worshiping the Lord, I'm going to worship service. Um, and, I, and I hope that today we'll come away sensing that we've met with the Lord and that we have been enriched through His Word and that we are better equipped to be true worshipers of Jesus Christ. Of course, we know that Jesus told the woman of Samaria that the time will come when true worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth. And I believe that there is a certain aspect of our worship that we must understand is very, very objective. And, and that means that God has ordered and defined it, and that there's purpose to it, and we need to understand what that is. I think there is another aspect of worship that we could define as being subjective. And what I mean by that is that no two people are exactly the same. How many of you are aware of that? There's not another you in this world. You are special to God and unique to this world. And so some of what you personally experience in your worship will be unique to you, though fundamentally the objective aspects of it will be there. And so worship is not something that is entirely emotional as we see much portrayed in our world today. It transcends the emotion. I believe that some of it uh, is intelligent, <laughs> right? I believe all of it is going to be to a degree intelligent because there is something that we know based upon truth that leads us into that informed, purposeful worship that contains an element of subjectivity. Some people, when they worship the Lord, might cry. Other people in the same service might smile and be happy. And while still there may be others who uh, are a little stoic, but it affects them in precisely the same way, just the way that God deals with them and the reaction to that may be different because we're all different people, right? And uh, this is a congregation of people that could aptly be called different. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Uh, but uh, anyhow, I want us to, uh, I thought I would just say that as we begin this month of study on drawing near in worship. And I want us to consider the truth contained here in Luke, beginning in chapter 1 and verse number 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife 
was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answered saying, said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee thing, uh, these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple." And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach from among men. Verse 39, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Father God, I pray that you would bless this time in your word. Speak to every heart, and Lord, would you fill me with thy Holy Spirit, I pray. In the lovely name of Jesus, amen. This morning I want to bring a message entitled, A Woman of Worship. I want to talk to you specifically about the woman 
Elizabeth that we have just read about. Of course, we, we learned that Zacharias was her husband who was a Levite. He was a priest. Um, we also know from the record of Scripture here that Elizabeth was born to a priestly father as well who was of the order of Abiah. And they were of the Aaronic priesthood and they were Levites. And so what we discover here is that Zacharias, who was a priest, married a woman who was born into a priestly tribe. And it was allowed for priests to marry if they were to marry a woman that was godly and upright of a priestly tribe. And such was the case here. The fact is that the Bible gives a narrative on her character and it was impeccable. And I think that that really is something that is going to come into play in just a moment as we consider this particular idea of a woman of worship. I believe that this is a person of faith that we need to hear a little bit more about than perhaps we do. I think that Sometimes we overlook those that are very important in the plan of God simply because they were willing to stand in the shadows and to proclaim the light, the light of God. But we know that God is no respecter of persons. Man or woman, it, it, it matters not. Your age, your skin color, all of these things, God deals with us all in the same way. And He will use us all in just the same token. And so I believe that He chose in this case, we can notice both young and old, the rich, the poor, the priestly and the unclean. He can choose man or woman. And in every case, we discover that God chooses to honor those that choose to honor Him with pure worship. Zacharias and Elizabeth were found to be true worshipers of the Lord God. And so he blessed them by allowing Elizabeth to bear the forerunner of Christ, the one who would declare Messiah, the Lord Jesus, as the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. As we started our reading, we learned that Zacharias, the husband of Elizabeth, was called upon to do his priestly duties. It is very consequential to an understanding of the message here to know that what he was called upon to do was not some, something that a priest was commonly to do. In fact, typically a priest, if he was very fortunate, would be allowed to do this once in their lifetime. Zacharias was called into the holy place. He was chosen by lot. It wasn't that there was a schedule posted on the wall and that said, uh, hey, Zacharias, you're scheduled to do the incense, uh, you know, offering the incense to the Lord on Tuesday. No, it wasn't that type of a thing. It was there were lots that were cast among a group of priests that were attending to the needs of the temple at a certain period of time. And in some cases, a priest might never in their lifetime be asked to do what he was now doing. And so, at most, 
the average was in all my studies that I discovered that the most would be that someone would do this once in their lifetime. To go into the holy place. And the Bible reveals to us that it says um, in verse number uh, 8, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God, in the order of his course, in other words, he came with, with his priestly order at their appointed time to do their priestly duties, not knowing whether he would be chosen to offer the incense to the Lord in the holy place. Obviously, they didn't go into the holy of holies. That was to the high priest to do once each year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But they would come and they would offer sacrifices and they would offer incense in the holy place unto the Lord. And so it was his time. And in verse 9 it says, According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So they drew lots. And the lot in that situation was obviously not something that we might consider to be luck. Sometimes you might roll the dice and whoever rolls high gets to go first in a board game. Um, maybe you, you're going to toss a, a golf tee in the air and see which direction it points and the golfer that it points the nearest to is the one that gets the honors on the tee box. That's luck. This was something that was ordained of the Lord that was outside of man's ability to control. So it was ordained of God at that moment that the lot would come to Zacharias for a very special purpose. And for as much as Zechariah was going in to offer something to the Lord when he went in there, God gave him something that was far beyond his wildest imagination. How many of you are like me? that you've set about to do something for the Lord, maybe you wanted to be a blessing, and in the course of you trying to be a blessing to somebody else in the work of the Lord, you were the one that came away blessed. How many, how many of that has been your experience? I can't tell you how many times through the years I've gone to see someone in the hospital thinking that I want to be a blessing to them, I want to encourage them, and I'm the one that's walking out of the hospital with rejoicing because I have been the recipient of the blessing because of their spirit and attitude. And that's how God does things. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, He's a wonderful Savior. But what we discover is that He went into this holy place to offer the sacrifice, and the angel Gabriel appeared unto Him. He went in there to do an act of worship, and God responded in a, in a miraculous fashion to that worship, and to that worshiper. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever gone to a praise and worship service? Let me see your hand. Lot, lot of, that's kind of what people call the song time in church now, isn't it? People come and... And by the way, there, there are more people statistically today that choose a church based upon the music than on the message. Are you aware of that? And so, somebody can really have a, a mixed up message, but if they have a great band and some good vocalists, then, then man, they're in like skin, and people want to go there. But uh, folks, I'm going to tell you, when push comes to shove and trouble comes into your life, you need to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God, and so do I. Amen? Now, now look, I'm, I'm thankful for good godly music and wonderful musicians, but it is not a replacement 
And it does not and cannot preempt the preaching of the Word of God. Now what we find in the Scriptures today about this woman who was favored of the Lord named Elizabeth is that she was a faithful woman. She was a faithful woman. The Bible reveals here in verse 5 that his wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. I think it's consequential that we notice that she was faithful in her worship to God, but her name literally means worshiper of God. Uh, If you look at the strictest definition of the term, it's um, God is my oath, but when you put it in its context, it literally means worshiper of God. And so she was what her name indicated. A worshiper of God. I wonder if we could aptly name you Elizabeth today. Right? You say, well, I'm a guy. And uh, that would offend me. But let's just imagine that Elizabeth was a masculine name. Okay? Could we aptly name you Elizabeth because your life is lived in such a way that the only proper name I could give you is worshiper of God? Could we do that? Or would, if we followed you around a little bit, have to come to the conclusion that um, that's not a very good name to give this person. Right? So I think we have to to stop and understand that God aptly named her. And I think that uh, it's a good place for us to begin a series on drawing near in worship. Um, And I'm going to ask, I don't know if I have an usher back there. You could turn on the fans. The air is getting a little heavy. And I see a few folks starting to drop off and I'm just getting started. So, um, <laughs> It's not that it's really all that um, warm in here. I just think because we've heated the baptistry to about 98 degrees, uh, there's a little more humidity going on. And uh, But anyway, um, I, I want to just simply say She was faithful in her obedience to God's Word. So when she drew near to the Lord, she drew near in obedience. And I want to just submit this to you, that you're not really a pure worshiper of God if you're holding on to disobedience and thinking that somehow that you're going to draw near in worship. You're going to draw near in worship. Now, I would say that we've all have been beat down, beat to death by all the conversation and discourse about COVID-19 and all of its subsequent variations. We're now dealing with Omicron. And I don't want to go all into that. I might go down the rabbit hole, you know, talking about all of that. But one thing you have noticed as we've gone through this is that when someone is testing positive in a hospital situation, you know what they do? They don't let anybody get around them. Uh, Miss Debbie's mom, Stella Maldonado, she's, she's a wonderful member of our church. She's in Arrowhead Hospital right now with complications to, with uh, diverticulitis. But you know what? They'll only let one person per day stop in to visit her. Why? Because they don't want anybody to get close to her that might have something that's going to make her situation worse. 
I submit to you that God wants you to draw near. He wants you to come to Him. But one thing will keep it from happening in truth. Sin. Sin. It's disobedience to the Lord. God wants you to come running into His arms. There's something that will keep you from doing it. Disobedience to the Lord. Now, often I have given Bibles to people through the years. I've over the years given away thousands of Bibles. And of those that I've gone out and bought nice leather-bound Bibles and given them as a gift at Christmas or something, I've written many things in the flyleaf of those Bibles, as I'm sure that you have over the years as well. And one of the things that commonly finds its way into the flyleaf of a Bible is this saying. This book will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from this book. This book will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from this book. How many of you can identify with that? I would tell you in the times when I really was not fostering a great relationship with the Lord, I wasn't having a very good relationship with His book. Has that been your experience also? It just tended to be a prop in a Christian's life that took its rightful place on a shelf or a coffee table or a nightstand, but really didn't get opened on a meaningful level very often. And in truth, we recognize the fact that the Bible says that this woman and her husband were righteous before God. It says they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. And concerning them, it says they were blameless. They were blameless. So there was nothing, in other words, that somebody could discover in the life of Elizabeth or Zacharias that they could justifiably justifiably charge them with. There was nothing that they knew of. That's something that really, the only other person in the Bible that I know of and can think of that ever said anything close to that was the Apostle Paul who said in Philippians chapter 3 that touching the law, he was blameless. In other words, there was nothing that anybody could detect in his life for which he could be justifiably accused. Think of that. Think of that. She was a faithful person who worshipped the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And sometimes we... Read that in the Psalms. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. Well, are we really going to purely worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness if we come with the ugliness of sin and say, I'm coming here to say you're great because I've got all this sin, but you know, I still have a job in my health. And we walk away with just as much sin as before and maybe even more pride in our hearts thinking that somehow God is giving some special dispensation of grace simply to us even though He knows we're hanging on to sin and refuse to let go of it. I want you to know that that is a level in pride that God never wants us to get to. And yet, how many people do? They'll come into a church setting, and man, they want to praise the Lord, and they go back home, and they're just as 
deceitful and as sinful as when they walked in the house of the Lord. And now they have a greater sense of, well, you know what? God knows it and He didn't do anything and I still have a job in my health. So, you know what? It's got to be all good with Him. And we hear people say dumb things like, you know, I'm all good with the man upstairs. And what it reveals is a lack of understanding of who God is. And so, she was faithful to her husband, Zacharias, and she was faithful despite the heartache that she endured. Now, I want you to understand, Zacharias and Elizabeth at this time, by all accounts, are probably in their 80s. Zacharias said, I'm an old man. He said, my wife, he didn't say she's an old woman. All right. She didn't call her the old lady. <laughs> right? It's probably a good thing he didn't. Because when he got home, he'd have, he'd have been in trouble from the old lady for sure. He said, she is well stricken in years. <laughs> I want to vote for that guy to be statesman of the year. Um, he, he was very diplomatic in saying, my wife's just old. She's an old woman. She's well stricken in years. And so, they were both well stricken in years. And by now, if she was going to have a child, it would have already happened. Every woman in Israel hoped and prayed that they would be the one through whom the Messiah would come to this world. And so, marriage to them was the hope fulfilled of bearing children into this world with the hope that maybe one would be the Messiah God. And so it wasn't like that was something they looked upon as, as a terrible thing. They viewed it really in terms of this could be the fulfillment of what God has promised. And what a privilege and an honor for me to participate in this. Isn't it disheartening sometimes when you consider the changing ideologies and philosophies that exist even in the Christian world about the subject of procreation. <clears throat> How it's been debased and degraded in people's minds because of what people think about sexuality. But here are people who were excited to participate in the plan of God even if that meant procreation. And I, I, I think it's a wonderful thing but having said that, I want to just set, set, this, set the table a little bit for the meal. And I want to say that she was barren. Now, we know from what we read today, they lived in the hill country outside of Judah. In a very small community. It would have been unusual for a woman in that day not to have born a child. And in fact, it was a stigma that barren women in that culture carried was a stigma she probably was a subject of those that whispered about it speculating as to whether or not elizabeth had some unknown sin that was keeping her from having a child maybe god was judging her and i can just about guarantee you that she heard a lot of that hurtful speech a lot of the things that would have broken her heart said in speculation about Zacharias or speculation about her while she knew in her heart that she was walking uprightly before the Lord. There were people that misunderstood her status in life and tried to assign perhaps some unknown sin to her 
simply because she was without a child. And in a small, tight-knit community, that can often happen. Have you ever lived in a small town? Many of you grew up in small-town America or in other countries that had small towns. And everybody knew everybody else's business, didn't they? And if there was something you didn't know, just go down to the diner or go to the barber shop, and in short order, you would figure it all out. Such was the case in the hill country outside of Judah. She bore a heartache because they had no doubt, and according to the Word of God, they had prayed and prayed and prayed, and the answer never came. But Elizabeth, praise the Lord, was favored. She was a woman who with obedience and uprightness chose to worship God. And God favored her, although she was burdened with childlessness. God looked upon her. And I want you to know that God knows and understands the burdens that you carry. And the fact that you have prayed for a certain thing and it seems like it hasn't come to pass and you're not asking for something bad or wicked, you're just asking for God to bring a blessing into your life and, or to, to add a child to your life. In her case, that was what she prayed for and Zacharias prayed for and it didn't come. But God looked upon her. He knew where she lived. He knew what her heartache was. And God, in His own good way, and in His own good time, had from before the foundations of the world, determined to bless her in the area in which she had come to the place where she just gave it to the Lord. And said, okay God, I now know the answer I'm I'm surrendering it to you. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I love you. And not my will, but, but thy will be done. That was her spirit. God is pleased to receive the worship of those that come with heartaches and check their bitterness at the door and just yield it to the sovereignty of God. God favored her as someone who was advancing in years. What He did was, He took her reproach away. Which is what He would do for her in a spiritual sense as well. But He took the social stigma away from her life that was causing her a heartache by answering a prayer that she had long since stopped asking the Lord for knowing that physically, it just couldn't happen to a woman of 88. It just wouldn't happen to a man almost 90. It just probably wasn't going to happen. So, maybe there came a time where she and Zacharias knelt together and said, Lord, it's our delight to serve You all of our days. Though we have no heir, we have you, and you are enough. Maybe they prayed that prayer, and God looked upon them. I believe that there are those in this room that are praying for many things. And maybe your heart is grieved with the Lord because 
the answers that you've been bringing, or the, the questions you've been bringing are not being answered in the way that you would desire. God wants you to give that to Him and surrender. And just know that in His own good will and in His own good way, He's going to answer you. Now, God favored her to be a part of God's plan to save the world. That's pretty neat. <laughs> if I do say so myself, I think it's wonderful, don't you? God didn't forget her. He saw her. He knew her. He listened to her. And he favored her. What we discover as well is that Elizabeth was fruitful. She who had been barren was blessed with a fruitful womb. Despite the fact that there was nothing biologically that would have indicated it could ever happen. And my friends, please know and understand that God can do anything. Her cousin Mary said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. So we know that God is in the business of doing the impossible. There are times where I go to seasons of prayer and I pray for the ministry here at Freeway and I, say, I ask the Lord, God, would you do so, something so wonderful and so transcendent that no flesh could ever possibly claim credit for it? Everyone would have to stand around and say, man, that was only of God. There, there's no way in the world that guy could have ever done that. It had to be the Lord. I'm all about that. I want to see God do what I could never accomplish apart from Him. And I believe today that that's precisely what He did in the life of Elizabeth. And the Lord proved that He's able to overcome any obstacle to bless His child. And what He did for Elizabeth, He will delight to do for you. May I submit to you that sometimes we come to the Lord in our feigned worship, holding fast to our sin, our bitterness, our prayerlessness, our unfaithfulness, our lack of love and devotion to God, His Word, His work, and, 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 and yet we want God to bless us and then we feel justified in being angry when He doesn't? Because what? You want God to bless your mess? You want God to bless your, your sinful behavior? A holy God can't do that. He won't do that. Now, He can bestow grace whenever He chooses to do so, but God, a holy God, will never bless a sinful choice. In His sovereignty, He can make all things work together for good, but He's never going to bless sin. That's why Jesus came to die. To take it away. Because sin had to be judged. It could never be blessed. A holy God could not retain His holiness and bless sin ever. Ever. Years ago, I was in a revival meeting. I heard an evangelist giving a, a sermon illustration and he told about being in a meeting in Tennessee where there was two prominent families in the church and unbeknownst to people within the church, a man and a woman from two separate families were having an extramarital affair. 
And they had decided that each of them, that they were married to the wrong person. And that, that they wished that they had waited for their true soulmates. And so, one night in church, their families didn't know what was going on. Each of them went to the, to the front of the church and knelt down to pray at the altar time, the invitation time. One on one side, the other on the other side. And they prayed for God to bless their decision to divorce their spouses, to leave their families, and to be married to their soulmate from high school. Now, I would just simply submit to you that's a prayer that God cannot bless to answer with the one that they were looking for. And so they got off their knees and they they purposed that night to see their family's home and they met up and they got in a car and they were going to drive to another state and live together. And on their way to wherever they were going, they were involved in a terrible automobile accident and they were both instantly killed. Now I'm not saying that that was the judgment of God on them. But that is simply to say that a sovereign God can make all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. It is simply to say that a holy God can never bless unholy determination in your heart. Where we, we look God in the eye and know we're going to sin against Him and still want Him to finance the effort. Sometimes I have people come to me and ask me, they're living together outside of wedlock. They're living an ungodly lifestyle. Pray for me that you know, God will bless me with a new apartment because we're going to have a baby now. No plans for a marriage. No plans to honor God with it. So I want to pray that God gives you a better apartment. Sometimes people will say, Pastor, will you pray for me that I get a job? And... You know, we never see them when the money's rolling in. But when they lose the job, they come to church and they want us to pray. And, and every once in a while, I just want to say, you want me to pray for you to get a job? And they say, yes. I want to say, why should I do that? Well, they would say, well, I've got to pay my bills. Right? You, you know, I've got to have some money. You can't live without money. So you, let me get this straight. You want to live any way you want to live, and you want me to ask a holy God to, to finance that effort for you, knowing that you have no desire to bless Him, honor Him, help anybody else. You just want Him to help you out? Sometimes we, we never think about things that we probably ought to take a step back and consider. It's interesting to me, there are famous people in our culture. One of them is Shaquille O'Neal. How many of you know who Shaquille O'Neal is? But seven foot one basketball player played for the Lakers, and, and he's a billionaire with a B. 
And the other day it came out in the media that he got all of his children together and he said to his children, he said, we are not rich. He said, I'm rich. You're not rich, I'm rich. You got to go out and make your own money. And everybody thought, well, you know, that's a mean thing for a dad to do, I guess. But, but I think it might be the best thing he could have done for those kids. Instead of just shoving a silver spoon in their mouth and, and deciding that he's getting a new tattoo on his forehead that says ATM. He's going to make them learn some things. But why in the world do, do we want to sin against God? And still expect him to finance our sinful choices. You know what a pure worshiper is going to be? Imperfect. Imperfect. But do you know what? They sure don't want to be. They have a desire to do what is upright. Does that define who you are? Elizabeth, worshiper of God. What we notice is that she went into hiding for five months. You think about that. I sat there and I read one commentary after the next trying to figure out what Elizabeth was doing for five months. I'm sure she wasn't taking prenatal vitamins and going to the doctor. I was pretty sure about that. I was pretty sure she wasn't going down to the gym every day. I was also pretty sure that she wasn't reading books on pregnancy. I believe I know what, what Elizabeth was doing. I believe she was worshiping God. I think the thing that she prayed for all those years and had finally surrendered the reality of what was happening now was upon her. And she was so overwhelmed with gratitude that the only thing that could follow the love and appreciation that she felt was unrequited worship of her God. And I think for five years she got alone with God. Or five months, rather. And, and for five months, she, she in silence. And, and you know, there's a lesson in this for all of us. You know what it is? Sometimes we need to tune the world out. We need to turn off the computer. Turn off the television. Turn off the tablet. Turn off the cell phone. The smartphone. The dumb phone. Just get it off and get plugged in to the Lord God. I realize we're living in a world where you've got 14 Bible programs on your smartphone. And you come to church and you don't have to carry one of these because you have a phone. I understand that. I personally can't do that. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm not disciplined enough that when the sports score pops up, I don't want to look at it. When the news bulletin pops up, I don't want to look at it. 
that when someone texts me or emails me, I don't want to see who it is. And so, it leads me to ask you a question. What is there in your life and in the expression of your worship that is reserved for God alone? I believe for five months, Elizabeth spent time with her God. Now, I'm sure she ministered to her husband. I'm sure she carried on all the duties that she had in the household. But she didn't go out to the market. I believe there were perhaps others that helped with that. And the fact of the matter was that she was all about a life of worship and honor to God and gratitude for the fact that He had visited her in her time of barrenness and heartache and He gave her what she thought that she would never have, that she had surrendered to Him. And there's a great lesson in that all, all by itself that sometimes God is just waiting for you to surrender something before He finally determines to bless you with it. But as long as we're hanging on to our rights and thinking that God owes us something, we can expect nothing forthcoming. And so we realize that she gave herself to the Lord in worship and that prayer of faith though prayed years before and many times it bore rich fruit in God's timing. I want you to notice that as she made her way to the uh, as Mary made her way to the house of Elizabeth and came to the hill country into a city of Judah and entered into the house the Bible tells us that the babe leapt in the womb of Elizabeth, John the Baptist leapt in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. I submit to you that true worshipers of Jesus will be. I know a lot of people that say they're worshiping, and I think that they're not filled with the Holy Ghost. I think they're full of it. Whatever that is. They're just full of it. They want everybody to think I'm a great Christian. They want to check the box if they went to church. They're not full of the Holy Spirit. They, they just aren't. That's not something you turn on and turn off when the band is playing and then when they quit. That's not something that happens when you come into the church house. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's how your life is governed by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I think this is consequential. And she bore the evidence of that fullness in her life. What is the evidence of it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, goodness, temperance, and faith. She had them all. She was filled with the Spirit, and we have the testimony of God on that. She was filled with the Spirit. She sensed the honor that God would visit her with a child, and then with His presence. And then with His presence. I want to say this to you, and we'll, we'll be done. Elizabeth was first. This is amazing to me, really, but it's true. The first person in the New Testament that we read of being filled with the Spirit was Elizabeth. The first person that we read of
to be filled with the Spirit was Elizabeth. The first person to declare Jesus as the Messiah was not her son, John, the forerunner of Christ, but it was her. It was her. She was first. Elizabeth was also the first to declare the blessing of believing to Mary. She was the first one. Thousands since that time have done so, but she was the first. Thousands, perhaps millions, have declared Jesus as the Messiah through the years, but she was the first in that period of time. Millions have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but in this dispensation of time, she was the first. God will bless you and use you, young or old. In this case, most people agree she was in her 80s, maybe the later 80s. I, I, I have a book in my library, it's fascinating, about John the Baptist, her son, and it indicates that around the age of 11 is when Zacharias and Mary died, or Elizabeth died. And that John the Baptist was in the wilderness being overseen by a nomadic people until the day that he began his ministry. But that early training in his life was what prepared him for the work that God had ordained for him to do from before the foundations of the world. God chose to use a godly woman in His unfolding drama of redemption. And she stands as an example to every man, woman, boy, and girl that wants to be a worshiper of the One who gave His life so that they may have everything. Why wouldn't we worship Him? Why wouldn't we? I want to say that what God started in her life many years before, He brought all the way to its conclusion. And the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. He's going to finish the job. He'll get her done. It may not be in the timetable that you have given to the Lord but it'll be in His perfect time. Because guess what Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says? He hath made everything beautiful in His time. And that will be true for you. You know what we need to do? Surrender. Take God off our timetable. And just let God be God in our life. The name Elizabeth means worshiper of God. If we fast forward from this time, about 31 years, Jesus met another woman. She was not so upright a woman. In fact, the woman he met at Jacob's well had been married five times. 
and was living with a man that was not her husband. And the Lord loved her too. And the Lord had a purpose for her life too. God will meet you where you are. When the Lord engaged that woman at the well in a conversation, she wanted to ask Him spiritual questions. And Jesus looked at her and in John 42, He said, John 4, verse 22, He said these words to her, Ye worship, ye know not what. You're praying to a God you don't know. You're talking about a place that you don't understand. You don't realize who I am. And she finally said, we know that when Messiah is come, He'll, he'll teach us all things. And Jesus, with love in His eyes, looked upon her too, just like years before He looked upon Elizabeth. He looked upon that woman and said, I that speak Unto thee am he. He had a purpose for her life. But she didn't understand the first thing about worship. That's okay if that's how you came in today. Because God will meet you where you are. And when you begin to understand who he is and what he's done for you, In short time, we could change your name to Elizabeth, worshiper of God. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the example of a woman of surrender, a woman of faith, who with her life worshiped her God Lord, I pray that that may be our testimony as well. Lord, if there be one here that is like that woman at the well, they just don't know you. They don't know who you are. They've, they've never met you. God, may today be the day of salvation for them. Our heads are bowed for just a moment.